Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Welcome, listening friends, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we welcome you. If you're a return listener, we thank you and hope that you'll continue to pray for us here at the Gospel of Grace, that we might be able to bring forth this message of hope and unmitigated, pure, and sovereign grace in Jesus Christ our Lord. As I've said, I'm Joe Nettles. I also welcome you on behalf of David Wise. We are the pastors of uh, Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church. And that's the church that I pastor at 40283 Wolf Road in Caledonia, Mississippi. And Brother David is the pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church located at 11 Staten Road, Ackerman, Mississippi on Highway 15 north of Ackerman. Both of our churches meet at 10.30 a.m. every Sunday morning. And I know that you will find them a loving and welcoming place to come and worship. We worship together at 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening at the La Quinta Inn, excuse me, conference room in Starkville, Mississippi. And we want you to come and join us. Now, if you can't join us in person, join us by Facebook Live. Go to Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church Facebook page, hit like, activate the notifications and it will let you know when we begin our live worship which is 10 30 a.m every sunday morning and 6 p.m again every wednesday evening go to our website that serves this broadcast gospel-of-grace.com you're going to find many resources archived messages a church locator frequently asked questions we invite you and implore you to go and visit that website but we especially want you to come and visit our churches if you wonder what it's like to come to a primitive Baptist worship service, it's very simple. You come in, you sit together as a congregation, as a family. We're believing family-integrated worship. And we sing together as a congregation songs from a good, sound songbook. We pray. You'll hear a good gospel message we trust, straight from the 1611 King James translation. And we trust that you'll leave there feeling that it was good to have been in the house of the Lord. We invite you. We have the last installment for you this morning on a series of Fetching Rebecca. So after this hymn, we'll be right back with today's message.
Thank you so much for staying tuned here with us, the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. Again, I am Elder Joe Nettles. And as in previous messages on this 24th chapter of Genesis, my hope is that you've been blessed to see the parallels between the household of Abraham in the Old Testament and the household of faith in Jesus Christ, today's New Testament church. Again, if you've been unable to hear the messages previously, then visit www.gospel-of-grace.com and you can easily catch up. Now, in part six of this series, after I taught about how the servant relayed his experience, we stopped at verse 48. Now, picking back up in verses 49 through 53, I read, And now, if ye will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceedeth from the Lord. We cannot speak unto thee bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord hath spoken. And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshipped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver, and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah. He gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. Now we covered in a previous message the significance of this servant giving treasure unto Rebekah. Now if you recall, it signified that she was considered worthy to the household of Abraham even prior to her acceptance of the invitation to come into it. Considering its relation to today's New Testament kingdom, it pointed to the fact that there are spiritual treasures to be had by a born-again child of God through hearing the truth, even if he or she never actually crosses into the church through water baptism by immersion. However, the scriptures give no indication that Bethuel, Laban, or her mother ever were added to Abraham's household. Yet, they received some household treasures as well. How does that reconcile? I believe that it points to the blessings experienced by a household of unbelievers when one of them becomes a believer in Jesus Christ. That's right. The blessings poured upon one humble believer in the Lord can spill over onto the other family members or friends in their life. Laban himself would experience this truth in future years through living with Rebekah's son, Jacob. We read in Genesis 30 and 27, And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry. For I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. This concept is throughout scripture. Firstly, let's consider a faithful believer will serve as a witness to unbelievers in the house. This may very well serve to convert one in whose heart the Spirit has worked a work of grace. That's exactly what we see in the case of the Philippian jailer. Go to Acts chapter 16, verses 31 through 33. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all his straightway. In one night, you see, the entirety of his household came into the church as a result of that jailer's faith. Well, you may say to yourself, 
well, my experience in sharing the truth has never worked that quickly, neither in my own home nor anywhere else. Well, that is all too common, friends, but don't get discouraged, though, because the Bible instructs us to do what we can and leave the results to the Lord. Again, as we covered in a previous message from this series, you just do what you can, and we have the blessed relief and peace of leaving the results to the Lord to make fruitful. In considering the case of a believing wife living with an unbelieving husband, the Apostle Peter declared in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation. And that conversation means manner of life, manner of speech. The conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. In other words, Peter was teaching that bickering, throwing temper tantrums, or giving a cold shoulder are not effective means of converting a difficult loved one. To the contrary, humble, patient, loving, and Jesus-trusting discipleship is. Don't give up. You are a treasure from on high to those whom you love so dearly, even when they are possibly unaware of it. Just trust in the Lord with a prevailing peace, my friends. Again, to this point, notice 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. The unbelieving spouse may be one who scoffs and jeers. You know, when the time comes every day for the believer in the household to sit and read the Bible to the children, he or she may get up and disrespectfully stomp out of the room in protest, just being so ugly. But Paul taught that despite the cross purposes, possibly of the parents, there is still a holy influence over the household. Will the unbelieving, petulant, spoiled spouse Complain when his or her children are disciplined, happy, prepared for the evils of this world through Jesus' influence? It's not likely they're going to complain then. He or she may never acknowledge that Jesus is the key to that peace, but it's a treasure of a sort to them all the same. Secondly, consider the treasures enjoyed by society in general through the effects of Jesus Christ's teachings. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 14, we read, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. While the wicked can never appreciate the light of Christ, because they're being dead in trespasses and in sins, that does not mean that they can't be benefited from its warming and illuminating effects on their society. I'm convinced that the more anti-Christian America becomes, embracing carnality, entertainments, and secular humanism, the sooner she will fall. And that fall will adversely affect believers, but all the more it will devastate the wicked too. They will weep and moan over how bad things have become, all the while oblivious 
to the reality. And what is that reality? That their state of affairs is a direct result of their persecution of the household of faith. Now, continuing on with verses 54 through 60, we read, And they did eat and drink, he and the men that were with him, and tarried all night. And they rose up in the morning, and he said, Send me away unto my master. And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days, at the least ten. After that she shall go. And he said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, Hmm, we will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And to her uh, credit, she said, I will go. And they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister. Be thou the mother of thousands of millions, and let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. Now, notice, bless their hearts, uh, these folks of Rebekah's heathen household, they figured that she could go to the household of Abraham, but only as long as it was on theirs or her terms. Now, this same error deprives many of the joys of Christ's household. Well, they figure, why not make the new household like the one with which we're familiar? Or they'll say, what is the urgency to go into the true household right now when we can go when we retire or we'll have more time to serve? Doesn't that just make good sense, they'll say? Another doozy that I've heard is, I am just trying to make a living and build up my retirement while I can. I'll join the church later. Many have erred by thinking that the good old household of the church, while noble, eh, yet she needs an upgrade to a more modern presentation. Listening friends, it is the Lord's church, not Burger King. You can't have it your way. Truly, one of the most abundant blessings to be had, listening friend, is to accept the fact that the church is not ours to do with as we please. We have not been given that liberty. Neither have we permission to delay our entrance into the household of faith for any reason. The example and instructions of the Lord in his word is to believe and be baptized. The aforementioned Philippian jailer and his household were baptized in the very self-same night. They didn't even find it acceptable to wait until the day broke. The Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8 stopped the chariot at the closest watering hole that was deep enough for immersion. I like to imagine that chariot screeching to a halt with Starsky and Hutch type urgency. Now, if any of you young folks don't know who Starsky and Hutch uh, are, well, you just need to Google it. I've heard some tell me that they will join the church when the feeling is right. No, it's as if they believe the spirit will lift them up by the scruff of the neck and chuck them up the aisle to the preacher. The spirit certainly can do that. But again, the point is not what the spirit can do, but rather how the Lord's spirit tends to do things. You see, the dragging up the aisle method is nowhere found in the New Testament. Rather, what we find is that confession and baptism occur based on knowledge and opportunity, not emotionalism. To this point, notice one of the greatest days in church history recorded in Acts chapter 2. In Acts 2, verses 37 through 34, I'm sorry, 37 through 41, we read, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. 3,000 baptized in one occasion is astounding. That's amazing. Consider, though, the logistics for a moment. What if, just ask, what if the 3,000 got all tied up in making arrangements for grandma to be there? Or considering whether or not they could serve the Lord with their current jobs? Or in holding off until they had another dry change of clothes. This does not seem to have been a problem. That day they believed, they got baptized. It was just that pragmatic, just that practical. I know there had to be great emotional outpourings of joy, but that emotion didn't rule the day. It did not rule their decisions that day. They just knew it was the right thing to do, so they just got after it. I challenge you unbaptized believers to do the same today. Seek out the Lord's church, confess his name, and join her through baptism. And do it right fast and in a hurry. Now it's time to conclude my thoughts on this chapter. So let's finish this chapter, reading uh, Genesis chapter 24, verses 61 through 67. And Rebekah arose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man. And the servant took Rebekah and went his way. And Isaac came from the way of the well, Laharoi, for he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide. He lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she lighted off of the camel. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah. And she became his wife and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Such blessed days are they, listening friends, when those in the household who have been praying to see believers come in, get to behold it actually happen. Seems like it's happening less and less nowadays because of this spiritually cold age, but I guarantee you there are still saints of Jesus Christ all over who are praying daily and watching, looking for those who are hungering and thirsting after righteousness and beckoning them to come in. That's what Isaac was doing, just praying and watching. Likewise, what a joy it is to see those who have longed for fellowship and oddly enough now consider it's fellowship among folks whom they've never met when they long for that fellowship and then finally they get to come home. They have found the household that, that, which they've been drawn to. That was Rebecca. There was just something about Isaac, even though she only saw him from a distance, yet it, he thrilled her soul. Did she run to him in an attitude of entitlement or with a casual demeanor? No, sir. She humbly and modestly 
placed a veil over her face. She knew that she was entering into a marriage with one who she didn't deserve to have as a husband. I pray that be my attitude continually every day that I go among the household of Jesus Christ, that I'm unworthy in myself to be here. Notice, though, she didn't allow her unworthiness to keep her from entering into the joys. She still ran to Isaac. She still entered into the household. Many will talk themselves out of obediently joining the church because of an attitude of self-deprecation. I'm not worthy to be a part of the sweet old church of Jesus, they'll say. However, that's not what Rebecca did. She recognized, yes, her inferior status, but she ran to Isaac all the same. What I tell folks when they are willing to own the veil, oh, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, but then don't run to the household, is that there are none who are worthy in themselves. If only worthy folks joined the church, Jesus would be the only member, my friends. The distinction has to be recognized between worthiness in yourself, which is unworthy, and the imputed worthiness of Jesus Christ our Lord. That is perfectly and wholly worthy. If you feel like the church should be proud to have me, then that's a sure sign that you don't need to be allowed to join her. That attitude rejoices in yourself more than in Jesus Christ. The Lord knows how unworthy you are, believing child. Stop poor mouthing. He knows that. You don't have to convince the Lord you're unworthy. He knows how unworthy you are. That is why he sent Jesus to be our worthiness. This is aptly expressed in Psalm 103, verses 13 through 16. Notice the psalmist says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. You see, you need a veil because you are so pitiful. God knows that. But the same Lord has commanded you to repent, believe, confess, and join through baptism. Why? Because of verse 17. Let's read the next verse, verse 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children. You see, you may be a failing, wilting, wind-blown, scorched piece of no good trash out in the field. But I guarantee you, my friends, if the Lord has given you his spirit and given you a fear of him, then it shows you that his mercy is from everlasting to everlasting and that his righteousness has made you his child, covers your sins, and has given you his perfect impeccable worthiness. And recognizing that, my friends, all the while we cover our faces with the veil We've got to realize he has covered us with his righteousness. That's the only worthiness you have. And that worthiness, the one who's given you that worthiness has commanded you to come in and to join the church. We at Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, we invite you to come and see. We want to convince you that we are stewards of the household of faith in Christ. We, like Isaac, are always praying and watching for others to come in. We stand ready to hear your confession of faith and receive you into the household in full.
Oh, friends, until I'm blessed to speak with you again on such noble and happy subjects, I pray the Lord's blessings on you all. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast, entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus.